Andrew. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, again, my name is Andrew. I, uh, I've called this place home for about three years now, and it really has felt like home. I've had the opportunity to be just somebody who came and sat down, came in late to church, sat down in a chair from like 1030 on. Um, I've been a volunteer, I've been an intern, and now as a director of operations, it's just been a blessing to kind of grow in the different stages of this church. I also kind of gave myself the title of Minister of the Vibes. It's not really catching on. Um, I need to update that on the website. Um, but again, it is such a, it's such a blessing to be here with you all this morning. Um, I trust that you had an enjoyable holiday gathered with friends and family. Uh, for my family, the difference between a, a good Thanksgiving and a great one was depending on whether or not the Cowboys won uh, that day, because it's a holiday tradition, you know, the Cowboys play uh, on Thanksgiving Day. So naturally, most Thanksgivings were just okay. Most times they just lost, and it was just okay. Uh, more of the same thing. But, um, but luckily enough for, for our family, my mom's cooking always saved the day. And so, good old turkey and ham. Which, by the way, if your family's in a debate, like my family's in a debate, I'll be the third party, I'll settle it. Ham is better than turkey, hands down. Yes, yes, affirmations, right? Hallelujah and amen in the church. Um, but y'all in Jersey, y'all are probably in a conversation about pork roll and Taylor ham, right? That's the conversation here, not so much about turkey or ham. It is so great to be here with you all this morning, and uh, it's with great excitement that I get to share a message that God has placed on my heart, especially since this Sunday is Christ the King Sunday. Uh, if you were with us last week, uh, we actually celebrated it with these two giant charcuterie tables, um, and uh, we gathered around them just to eat. The point of the holiday is to celebrate the kingship of Jesus. We celebrate that Jesus is our king with our feast over every worldly power and leader, over any political party, group, nation, even over ourselves, over all the wickedness and evil in the world, Jesus is king. This is the meaning of the holiday, and I believe that it came at a perfect time within the life of our church. Uh, as we finished talking about the kingdom of God, and now we're moving into the season of Advent, um, moving from kind of just conceptual ideas about what what the kingdom is to the actual personified god became flesh this is what kingdom is ushering in god's kingdom and so with this in mind we come to christ the king sunday a christian holiday that is celebrated with a feast and coming after a holiday in our country where we celebrate with a feast i want to bring our attention to the text today to a story around a feast again keeping up with the themes um and as we get into it, I want to invite my friend Savannah, who's actually going to do the scripture reading this morning for us. Luke 14, 7 through 24. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would, be, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite, 
your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say at the to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have just been married and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you ordered has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who are invited will taste my dinner. Thank you, Savannah. Friends, please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your eyes. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer, may your love and wisdom speak to us today, we pray. Amen. So we are brought into the scene of Jesus at a banquet. He notices that there is something quite interesting happening here. The guests are playing musical chairs with the best seat in the house. Jesus then goes on to provide some practical advice. Hey, when you go sit down somewhere, don't go and automatically sit in the guest of honor's seat. Because what happens if they ask you to give up your seat? Would it not be better for you to take a lesser seat and for the host to look at you and say, hey, what are you doing over there? My friend, come and sit right here. I would have to imagine that his disciples are looking at each other in this moment, grateful that they weren't the ones being corrected. There's a scene in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we have two brothers who are disciples of Jesus, James and John, the Sons of Thunder, which is probably the best nickname out there, really, the Sons of Thunder. It's given kind of jokingly, as all nicknames are. Um, but in Mark, they, they go up and they ask Jesus if they can be at, sit at his left and, and right in heaven, and Jesus kind of tells them, you have no idea what you're asking for. And then they're, they're just quickly humbled right then, on, right then and there. And so they're probably like reminiscing back, and they're like, ah, this kind of sounds familiar, maybe. Jesus then switches to provide some instruction for the guests as he invites the attendees to rethink their priorities when inviting guests. Jesus opens the imagination of them to invite those who cannot repay the favor in their lifetime essentially instructing them to invite individuals who are not capable of repaying an invitation for an invitation. Because the custom at this time was to invite people to your dinner who would then, in turn, invite you to a dinner. This then creates a cycle of the same circle of people being invited to partake of these feasts. At some point, the list becomes pretty exclusive. And truthfully, this practice probably leads to a sense of competition, right? Recently, I've had the opportunity to celebrate some friends' weddings and I uh, asked a few of them after they, after they attended the first wedding, after their own wedding. And, uh, and I asked them, I said, well, like, what's that like? And uh, do you know what most of them said? They said, it was really nice. 
but I liked mine better. And if you pause long enough, you could hear them list exactly what they liked about theirs. That was better. I just liked how in my wedding we did this and had this and we and so on and so on. And the whole time I'm listening to them and I'm like, I've been to both your weddings and both your DJs could have been better. So I don't really know. <laughs> the story then continues with one of the dinner guests providing his own summary of what Jesus has just said. Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Friends, I'm not quite sure if this party guest is fully aware of the significance behind Jesus' words. Or if it is the case that this guest completely missed the mark and is attempting to glorify himself in this statement. Essentially saying, well, I know I will be in the kingdom of God. So surely blessed is anyone who will be eating bread in the kingdom of God. If this is the meaning behind his statement, then Simon Peter is certainly sitting back grateful that for once he is not the one caught with his foot in his mouth. Because no further than the next line does Jesus provide clarity to the statement. If you think you know what the kingdom of God looks like, let me tell you, it doesn't look like this. Jesus then moves to the parable. Someone is throwing a dinner party. Invites have already been sent. RSVPs have been collected and the guest list is full. The excitement of a party is in the air. Do you remember that feeling when you were a kid and your birthday was coming? It was the day of your birthday and you knew all your friends were going to be in that house. The host is eager with anticipation. The silverware has been polished. The napkins have been folded. Every chair has the right amount of cushion. And the menu has been specifically curated for the guests. Even for that one friend who is currently in the middle of like that internet fad diet thing. Like even they have something to eat, right? The cars have been moved so that there's adequate parking for everyone. The house is perfectly decorated and cleaned. All the preparations have been prepared. All that is left to do is for the host to send for his guest. And so the host sends his servant to grab all of his guests. For now is the time to come and eat of the feast. Except the ones who earlier said that they would come begin to drop out. My condolences, friend, you see there was this team of oxen that I had my eye on for the longest time. And really the best time to get them was now. So I will not be able to attend my apologies. I will not be able to attend. My apologies. I'm sure we all in this room can resonate to that kind of purchase, right? Carrie, we do a lot of oxen purchasing over there in Ohio. All the time. Surely our hands are tied when we're in the business of buying oxen, right? Another sends word that the market was just too perfect to pass up on acquiring a piece of land. Please, you understand, right? My sincerest apologies. The opportunity, the opportunity to grow one's sphere of power and influence has taken precedent over the commitment to this party. The third guest states, so I just recently got married. I wanted to go, but the missus wasn't really feeling it, and you and I both know how this is going to play out. But we'll get you on the next one, I promise. The greater context here is that this guest has essentially thrown a competing party at the same time. Yeah, they're that kind of friend. So the, the servant then returns to the host with nothing but an empty promise. All these promises have now been shattered. The response of the host is now the climax of the story. You see, instead of shutting the doors to his home, locking himself away, eating all of the cake that he had ordered for this party, just by himself in a dark corner and listening to nothing but sad songs, something like, it is my party and I can cry if I want to, um, he sends his servant out again 
However, this time the invitation is to the ones whom no one would invite. The host says, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. At this point, the servant is feeling the energy of the host. So they do this and come back, and they're like, yo, yo, what's next? What's next? And the host doubles down on this order, saying, go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my, ha- my house may be filled. Friends, this is the great reversal that has taken place. Did we miss it? It is not the ones with power and status that are being sought after for this dinner party, for this great banquet, but rather those with nothing to their names that are guests of honor in God's kingdom. Pass us not, O gentle Savior. Could it be that what you are telling us today is that your invitation extends far beyond our imaginations? That you are sincere when you send your servants to the neighborhood, to the barrios, to the back streets, the alleys, the hood, the favelas, the brush, the immigration camps, the migrant worker housing and fields of produce, war-ravaged lands, the hospitals, the prisons, the homes of those grieving and alone. Is this who you desire at your great banquets? Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God, said the one guest. And I like to think that Jesus kind of nodded a little bit, cleaned his mouth with a napkin, then folded it nice and calmly, but kind of with the same like suave calmness that he drew something in the sand with, right, when they brought that woman caught in adultery in the Gospel of John. He then looked at the guest and said, yes, you're right. Now allow me to reintroduce myself in case you forgot how I operate. I am the great I am, and there never was when I never was. And now here today, I am the one who gathers myself up in the presence of tax collectors and sinners. A friend of sinners is how many around these parts know me, and I am proud of it. I am the one of whom it is said, I do not delight in sacrifice. No burnt offering would please me. What I desire is you to come to me with your broken spirit and contrite heart. I have been known to befriend the ones that people would not to use the ones people would call useless. When I needed somebody to deliver my people from captivity, I picked a racially confused runaway shepherd who somehow managed to lead his flock to the only mountain cave in the world that had a bush on fire in it, who had a speech impediment and needed his older brother with him to accomplish the task placed on him, who equipped with a stick was sent to be the leader of my people out of captivity. The fanciest of festivities are not my scene when the noise of parties come rolling like great winds and the stampede of adorning members comes shaking the earth like an earthquake. And when the radiance of the world's premier guests burns bright like a fire, I can instead be found in the sheer silence. Indeed, you might expect the God of all things to be arriving on chariots of fire and placed in the best halls and palaces this world has ever seen, but I came as a child born to immigrants in an occupied land. I can be found in fishing boats being tossed by the waves of a storm. In the midst of sorrow, like rolling sea billows, I am found with the mourner who can barely mutter, it is well with my soul. When the mountains of doubt and fear rise against the very last mustard seed-sized faith you have, I will strengthen you and encourage you and send those fears and doubts sinking into an ocean. 
I will die a criminal's death, ridiculed, despised, spat on, and hated. And when I die, you will confuse me for someone who should be buried in a rich man's tomb. Like kings of old, buried with all their riches and splendor, but instead you should really be looking for me amongst the grave robbers. Friends, this is the God we serve. As we have learned about his kingdom, we should not be surprised that this is the desired guest list. The ones that Jesus calls desired and beloved. Instead, we should rejoice in this reversal because this reversal means that we too are called to be members of this banquet. That when we ourselves are found in the alleys and in the streets, spiritually and physically, God is calling us into fellowship with him to take a seat at the banquet table, to partake in the goodness that he has prepared for you and I to enjoy ourselves. And our enjoyment should lead us to seek the other that was like us, to look to bring others into the splendor of God's kingdom. Because again, even more than just physically, when we ourselves are in the alleys and dark corners of our minds, surrounded by shame and self-doubt, the invitation extends to us even then. That God became flesh to no flesh, that as we may hide in the dark lanes and alleys of shame and guilt in our minds, Christ has walked these roads. So that when we think we should be hiding from this invitation that's too wonderful for us, we think we are undeserving of it. We think, well, certainly I have been one to reject this invitation one too many times. Perhaps it has already expired. The grace of God comes to compel us and tell us to come and be part of this celebration, be part of God's kingdom. The invitation for us, friends, is to come as you are, from where you are. There is no need to go home first to wash up and put on the best clothes you have. The invitation is simply to come as you are, know that you are desired by God, and above any other truth that may be placed upon you. Isn't it something, friends, that the heart of the universe would bend towards us? That the heartbeat giving life to all creation is beating for us. I would like to invite the worship team up at this time. Looking forward to the Advent season, this is the truth in our lives. God desires to be God with us. God's kingdom, which we have studied, is coming in the presence of Jesus. Michael Ware, who um, was a guest here and gave a sermon, said it so beautifully when he said, how we think about God. And what we think God thinks about us are the most important thoughts we will ever have. What does God think about us? God loves us and desires to have us as his honored guests in his kingdom celebration. The world may operate differently. The devil may try and sow seeds in our mind of shame and doubt. But God's grace in our lives is steadfast and it seeks to compel and encourage us every single day. Let us remember now the time of God's incarnation with us, that God has come to be with us. He took humble form. He came as an infant escaping persecution, the lowest of the low to be with us. His targeted audience did not rise with his fame. He has always sought to be with us, even in our lowest moments. From his birth to the death on the cross, when his arms were extended out, the invitation has always been to come. And friends, as we move to the table, let us remember the invitation is always open. The voice of God in this moment is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Come, eat and drink. This is the meal that I have prepared for you. In the name of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit.